Welcome to Volume 2 of The Enchanted Isle of You. Chapter 5 The King of Thieves Old Marshelm, the captain of the guard, was much surprised when he saw the Baron's daughter and her playmates approach her father's castle, escorted by a knight in glittering armor. To be sure, it was rather a small knight, but the horse he led by the bridle was so stately and magnificent in appearance that old Marshelm, who was an excellent judge of horses, at once decided that the stranger must be a personage of unusual importance. As they came nearer, the captain of the guard also observed the beauty of the little knight's armor, and caught the glint of jewels set in the handle of his sword. So he called his men about him, and prepared to receive the knight with the honors doubtless due to his high rank. But to the captain's disappointment, the stranger showed no intention of entering the castle. On the contrary, he kissed the little lady Cecily's hand respectfully, waved an adieu to the others, and then mounted his charger and galloped away over the plains. The drawbridge was let down to permit the three children to enter, and the great Baron Murd himself came down to question his daughter. "'Who was the little knight?' he asked. "'His name is Prince Marvel,' answered Cecily demurely. "'Prince Marvel!' exclaimed the Baron. "'I have never heard of him. "'Does he come from the kingdom of Dorna, "'or that of Oriel or Plenda?' "'That I do not know,' said Cecily with truth. "'Where did you meet him?' "'In the forest, my father, "'and he kindly escorted us home.' "'Hm,' muttered the Baron thoughtfully. "'Did he say what adventures brought him "'to our kingdom of Hague?' "'No, father, but he mentioned being in search of adventure.' "'Oh, he'll find enough to busy him in this wild island, "'where every man he meets would rather draw his sword than eat,' "'returned the old warrior, smiling. "'How old may this Prince Marvel be?' "'He looked not over fifteen years of age,' said Cecily, "'uneasy at so much questioning, "'for she did not wish to be forced to tell an untruth. "'But it's possible he is much older.' she added, beginning to get confused. "'Well, I'm sorry he did not pay my castle a visit,' declared the Baron. "'He is very small and slight to be travelling this dangerous country alone. I might have advised him as to his welfare.' Cecily thought that Prince Marvel would need no advice from anyone as to his conduct, but she wisely refrained from speaking this thought, and the old Baron walked away to glance through a slit in the stone wall at the figure of the now distant knight. Prince Marvel was riding swiftly toward the brow of the hill, and shortly his great war-horse mounted the ascent and disappeared on its farther slope. The youth's heart was merry and light, and he reflected joyously as he rode along that a whole year of freedom and fascinating adventure lay before him. The valley in which he now found himself was very beautiful. The soft grass beneath his horse's feet being sprinkled with bright flowers, while clumps of trees stood here and there to break the monotony of the landscape. For an hour the prince rode along, 
rejoicing in the free motion of his horse and breathing in the perfume-laden air. Then he found he had crossed the valley and was approaching a series of hills. These were broken by huge rocks, the ground being cluttered with boulders of rough stone. His horse speedily found a pathway leading through these rocks, but was obliged to proceed at a walk, turning first one way and then another as the path zigzagged up the hill. Presently, being engaged in deep thought and little noting the way, Prince Marvel rode between two high walls of rock, standing so close together that horse and rider could scarcely pass between the sides. Having traversed this narrow space some distance, the wall opened suddenly upon a level plat of ground, where grass and trees grew. It was not a very big place, but surely the end of the path, as all around it stood bare walls, so high and steep that neither horse nor man could climb them. In the side of the rocky wall, facing the entrance, the traveller noticed a hollow, like the mouth of a cave, across which was placed an iron gate, and above the gateway was painted in red letters on the grey stone the following words, Wul Takim, King of Thieves, his treasure house, keep out. Prince Marvel laughed on reading this, and after getting down from his saddle, he advanced to the iron gate and peered through its heavy bars. I have no idea who this Wul Takim is, he said, for I know nothing at all of the ways of men outside the forest in which I have always dwelt, but thieves are bad people, I am quite sure, and since Wul Takim is the king of thieves, he must be by far the worst man on this island. Then he saw through the bars of the gate that a great cavern lay beyond, in which were stacked treasures of all sorts, rich cloths, golden dishes and ornaments, gemmed cornets and bracelets, cleverly forged armor, shields and battle axes. Also there were casks and bales of merchandise of every sort. The gate appeared to have no lock, so Prince Marvel opened it and walked in. Then he perceived, perched upon the very top of a pyramid of wine casks, the form of a boy, who sat very still and watched him with a look of astonishment upon his face. "'What are you doing up there?' asked the prince. "'Nothing,' said the boy. "'If I move the least little bit, this pile of casts will topple over, and I shall be thrown to the ground.' "'Well,' returned the prince, "'what of it?' But just then he glanced at the ground, and saw why the boy did not care to tumble down, for in the earth were planted many swords, with their sharp blades pointing upward, and to fall upon these meant serious wounds and perhaps death. Oh ho! cried Marvel. I begin to understand. You are a prisoner. Yes, as you will almost certainly be shortly, answered the boy. And then you will understand another thing that you are very reckless ever to have entered this cave. Why? inquired the prince, who really knew very little of the world, and was interested in everything he saw and heard. Because it's the stronghold of the robber king, and when you opened that gate, you caused a bell to ring far down on the hillside. So the robbers are now warned that an enemy is in their cave, and they will soon arrive to make you a prisoner, even as I am. Ah, I see said the prince with a laugh. It is rather a clever contrivance, but having been warned in time, I do not think I will be foolish enough to be caught in such a trap. With this he half drew his sword, 
But thinking that robbers were not worthy to be slain with its untarnished steel, he pushed it back into the jeweled scabbard and looked around for another weapon. A stout oak staff lay upon the ground, and this he caught up and ran with it from the cave, placing himself just beside the narrow opening that led into this rock-encompassed plain. For he quickly saw that this was the only way anyone could enter or leave the place, and therefore knew the robbers were coming up the narrow gorge even as he himself had done. Soon they were heard stumbling along at a rapid pace, crying to one another to make haste and catch the intruder. The first that came through the opening received so sharp a blow upon the head from Prince Marvel's oak staff that he fell to the ground and lay still, while the next was treated in a like manner and fell beside his comrade. Perhaps the thieves had not expected so sturdy an enemy, for they continued to rush through the opening in the rocks and to fall beneath the steady blows of the prince's staff until every one of them lay senseless before the victor. At first they had piled themselves upon one another very neatly, but the pile got so high at last that the prince was obliged to assist the last thieves to leap over the top of the heap before they completely lost their senses. I have no doubt that our prince, feeling himself yet strange in the new form he had acquired, and freshly transported from the forest glade in which he had always lived, was fully as much astonished at his deed of valour as were the robbers themselves. And if he shuddered a little when looking upon the heap of senseless thieves, you must forgive him his weakness, for he straightway resolved to steal his heart to such sights, and to be every bit as stern and severe as a mortal knight would have been. Throwing down his staff, he ran to the cave again, and stepping between the sword-points, he approached the pile of casks, and held out his arm to the boy who was perched atop. "'The thieves are conquered!' he cried. "'Jump down!' "'I won't,' said the boy. "'Why not?' inquired the prince. "'Can't you see I'm very miserable?' asked the boy in return. "'Don't you understand? Every minute I expect to fall upon those sword-points.' "'But I will catch you!' cried the prince. "'I don't want you to catch me,' said the boy. "'I want to be miserable. It's the first chance I've ever had. I'm enjoying my misery very much, thank you.' This speech so astonished Prince Marvel that for a moment he stood motionless. Then he retorted angrily, "'You're a fool! If I wasn't so miserable up here, I'd come down and thrash you for that,' said the boy with a sigh. This answer so greatly annoyed Prince Marvel, he gave the central cask of the pyramid a sudden push, and the next moment the casks were tumbling in every direction, while the boy fell headlong into their midst. But Marvel caught him deftly in his arms, and so saved him from the sword-points. "'There!' he said, standing the boy upon his feet. "'Now you are released from your misery!' "'And I should be glad to punish you for your interference!' declared the boy gloomily eyeing his preserver. Had you not saved my life by catching me? According to the code of honour of Nahood, I cannot harm one who has saved my life until I have returned the obligation. Therefore, for the present, I shall pardon your insulting speeches and actions. But you have also saved my life, returned Prince Marvel. For had you not warned me of the robber's return, they would surely have caught me. True, said the boy, brightening up. Therefore, our score is now even, but take care not to affront me again, for hereafter I will show you no mercy. Prince Marvel looked at the boy with wonder. He was about his own size, yet strong and well-formed, 
and he would have been handsome except for the expression of discontent upon his face. Yet his manner and words were so absurd and unnatural that the prince was more amused than angered by his new acquaintance, and presently he laughed in his face. <laughs> if all the people on this island are like you, I shall have lots of fun with them. But you're only a boy after all. I'm bigger than you, declared the other, glaring fiercely at the prince. How much bigger? asked Marvel, his eyes twinkling. Oh, ever so much. Then fetch along that coil of rope and follow me, said Prince Marvel. Fetch the rope yourself, retorted the boy bluntly. I'm not your servant. Then he pushed his hands into his pockets and coolly walked out of the cave to look at the pile of senseless robbers. Prince Marvel made no reply, but taking the coil of rope on his shoulder, he carried it to where the thieves lay and threw it down beside them. Then he cut lengths from the coil with his sword and bound the limbs of each robber securely. Within a half hour he had laid out a row of thieves extending halfway across the grassy plain, and counting their number he found he had captured fifty-nine of them. This task being accomplished, and the robbers rendered helpless, Prince Marvel turned to the boy who stood watching him. "'Get a suit of armor from the cave, and a strong sword, and then return here,' he said in a stern voice. "'Why should I do that?' asked the boy rather impudently. "'Because I am going to fight you for disobeying my orders, and if you do not protect yourself, I shall probably kill you.' "'That sounds pleasant,' said the boy. "'But if you should prove my superior in skill, I beg you will not kill me at once, but let me die a long, lingering death.' Why? asked the prince. Because I shall suffer more, and that will be delightful. I am not anxious to kill you, nor to make you suffer, said Marvel. All that I ask is that you acknowledge me your master. I won't, answered the boy. I acknowledge no master in all the world. Then you must fight, declared the prince gravely. If you win, I will promise to serve you faithfully. If I conquer you, then you must acknowledge me your master and obey my commands. Agreed, cried the boy with sudden energy, and he rushed into the cave and soon returned clad in armor, bearing a sword and carrying a shield. On the shield was pictured a bolt of lightning. Lightning will soon strike those three girls whose champion you seem to be, he said tauntingly. The three girls defy your lightning, returned the prince with a smile. I see you are brave enough. Brave? Why should I not be? answered the boy proudly. I am the Lord Nurl, the son of Neger, the chief baron of Heg. The other bowed low. I am pleased to know your station. I am called Prince Marvel, and this is my first adventure. And likely to be your last, exclaimed the boy sneeringly, for I am stronger than you, and I have fought many times with grown men. Are you ready? asked Prince Marvel for answer. Yes. Then the swords clashed and sparks flew from the blades. But it was not long. Suddenly Nurl's sword went flying through the air and shattered its blade against a wall of rock. He scowled at Prince Marvel a moment, who smiled back at him. Then the boy rushed into the cave and returned with another sword. Scarcely had the weapons crossed again, when with a sudden blow, Prince Marvel snapped Nurl's blade in two, and followed this up with a sharp slap upon the ear with the flat of his own sword that fairly bewildered the boy and made him sit down on the grass to think about what had just happened. 
Then Prince Marble's merry laugh rang far across the hills, and so delighted was he at the astonished expression upon Nurl's face that it was many minutes before he could control his merriment and asked his foe if he had had enough fight. I suppose I have, replied the boy, rubbing his ear tenderly. That blow stings most deliciously, but it's a hard thought that the son of Baron Neger would serve Prince Marvel. Don't worry about that, said the prince, for I assure you my rank is so far above your own that it is no degradation for the son of Nagel to serve me. But come, we must dispose of these thieves. What is the proper fate for such men? They're always hanged, answered Nero, getting upon his feet. Well, there are trees handy, remarked the prince, although his girlish heart insisted on making him shiver in spite of his resolve to be manly and stern. Let us get to work and hang them as soon as possible, and then we can proceed upon our journey. Nurl now willingly lent his assistance to his new master, and soon they had placed a rope around the neck of each thief, and were ready to dangle them all from the limbs of the trees. But at this juncture the thieves began to regain consciousness, and now Wul Takim, the big red-bearded king of the thieves, sat up and asked, Who's our conqueror? Prince Marvel, answered Nurl. And what army assisted him? inquired Wul Takim, curiously gazing upon the prince. He conquered you alone and single-handed, said Nurl. Hearing this, the big king began to weep bitterly, and the teardrops ran down his face in such a stream that Prince Marvel ordered Nurl to wipe them away with his handkerchief, as the thief's hands were tied behind his back. To think sobbed Wul Takim miserably. Only to think that after all my terrible deeds and untold wickedness, I've been captured by a boy. Oh, 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 it's a terrible disgrace. You will not have to bear it long, said the prince soothingly. I'm going to hang you in a few minutes. Oh, thanks. Thank you very much, answered the king, ceasing to weep. I've always expected to be hanged some day, and I'm glad no one but you two boys will witness me when my feet begin kicking around. I'm not going to kick, declared another of the thieves, who had also regained his senses. I'm going to sing while I'm being hanged. But you can't, my dear Gunder, protested the king, for the rope will cut off your breath, and no man can sing without breath. Then I'll whistle, said Gunder composedly. The king cast at him a look of reproach and turned to Prince Marvel. He said, "'It'll be a great task to string up so many thieves. "'You look tired. "'Permit me to assist you to hang the others, "'and then I'll climb into the tree "'and hang myself from a strong branch, "'with as little bother as possible, of course.' "'Oh, I would not think of troubling you,' "'exclaimed Marvel with a laugh. "'Having conquered you alone, "'I feel it my duty to hang you without assistance, "'save that of my esquire.' "'It's no trouble, I assure you. "'But suit yourself,' said the thief carelessly. "'Then he cast his eye toward the cave and asked, "'What are you going to do with all our treasure?' "'Give it to the poor,' said Prince Marvel promptly. "'What poor?' "'Oh, the poorest people I can find.' "'Will you permit me to advise you in this matter?' "'asked the king of the thieves politely. "'Yes, indeed, for I am a stranger in this land,' returned the prince. "'Well,' I know a lot of people who are so poor they've got no possessions whatsoever. 
neither food to eat, houses to live in, nor any clothing but that that covers their bodies, they can call no man friend, nor will any lift a hand to help them. Indeed, good sir, I verily believe that they will soon perish miserably unless you come to their assistance. Poor creatures, exclaimed Prince Marvel with real sympathy. Tell me who they are, and I will divide among them all of your ill-gotten gains. They are ourselves, replied the King of Thieves with a sigh. Marvel looked at him in amazement, and then burst into joyous laughter. Yourselves? he cried, greatly amused. Indeed, yes, said Wool Takim sadly. There are no poorer people in all the world, for we have ropes around our necks and are soon to be hanged. Tomorrow we shall not even have our flesh left, for the crows will pick our bones. That is true, remarked Marvel thoughtfully. But if I restore to you the treasure, how would it benefit you, since you are about to die? Must you really hang us? asked the thief. Yes, I have decreed it, and you deserve your fate. Why? Because you have wickedly taken from helpless people their property, and committed many other crimes besides. But I've reformed. We've all reformed. Haven't we, brothers? We, we have. We have! Answered the other thieves, who, having regained their senses, were listening to this conversation with much interest. And if you just return our treasure, we promise never to steal again, but to remain honest men and enjoy our wealth in peace, promised the king. Honest men could not enjoy treasures they have stolen, said Prince Marvel. True, but this treasure is now yours, having been won by you in fair battle, and if you present it to us, it will no longer be stolen treasure, but a generous gift from a mighty prince, which we may enjoy with clear consciences. And yet there remains the fact I have promised to hang you, suggested Prince Marvel with a smile, for the king amused him greatly. N not at all, not at all cried Wul Takim. You promised to hang fifty-nine thieves, and there is no doubt the fifty-nine thieves deserve to be hung, but consider this. We have all reformed our ways and become honest men, so it would be sad and an unkind act to hang fifty-nine honest men. What do you think of this, Nero? asked the prince, turning to his esquire. The rogue seems to speak true, said Nero, scratching his head with a puzzled air. Yet yeah, if he speaks truth, there is little difference between a rogue and an honest man. Ask him, my master, what caused them all to reform so suddenly. Uh, because we were about to die, and we thought it a good way to save ourselves, replied the robber king. That's an honest answer, anyway, said Nurl. Perhaps, sir, they really have reformed. And if so, I will not have the death of fifty-nine honest men on my conscience, declared the prince. Then he turned to Wu Takim and added, I will release you and give you the treasure, as you request. But you owe me allegiance from this time forth, and if I ever hear of your becoming thieves again, I promise to return and hang every one of you. Never fear, answered Wool Takim joyfully. It's hard work to steal, and while we have so much treasure, it is wholly unnecessary. Moreover, having accepted from you our lives and our fortunes, we shall hereafter be your devoted servants. And whenever you need our services, you have but to call upon us, and we will support you, loyally and gladly. I accept your service, answered the prince graciously. And then he unbound the fifty-nine honest men, and took the ropes from their necks. As nightfall was fast approaching, 
the new servants set to work to prepare a great feast in honor of their master. It was laid in the middle of the grassy clearing that all might sit around and celebrate the joyous occasion. "'Do you think you can trust these men?' asked Nurl suspiciously. "'Why not?' replied the prince. "'They have been exceedingly wicked, it is true, but they are now intent upon being exceedingly good. Let us encourage them in this.' If we mistrusted all who would ever have done an evil act, there would be fewer honest people in the world. And if it were as interesting to do a good act as an evil one, there is no doubt everyone would choose the good. Chapter 6 The Troubles of Nurl That night Prince Marvel slept within the cave, surrounded by the fifty-nine reformed thieves, and suffered no harm at their hands. In the morning, accompanied by his esquire, Nurl, who was mounted upon a spirited horse brought to him by Wul Takim, he charged the honest men to remember their promises, bade them good-bye, and set out in search of further adventure. As they left the clearing by the narrow passage that led between the overhanging rocks, the prince looked back and saw the sign above the gate of the cave, which had told of the thieves' treasure-house. It had been changed, and it now read as follows— Wul Takim, King of Honest Men, his pleasure house. Walk in. That is much better, laughed the prince. I accomplished some good in my adventure anyway. Nurl did not reply. He seemed especially quiet and thoughtful as he rode by his master's side, and after he had travelled some distance in silence, Prince Marvel said, Tell me how you came to be in the cave of the thieves, perched upon the casks where I found you. It is a sad story, returned Nurl with a sigh, but since you request me to tell it, the tale may serve to relieve the tedium of your journey. My father is a mighty baron, very wealthy, and with a heart so kind, he has ever taken pleasure in thrusting on me whatever gift he could think of. I had not a single desire unsatisfied, for before I could wish for anything, it was given to me. My mother was much like my father. She and her women were always making jams and jellies, and candies and cakes, and the like for me to eat, so I never knew the pleasure of hunger. My clothes were of the gayest satins and velvets, richly made and sewn with gold and silver braid, so it was impossible to wish for more in the way of apparel. They let me study my lessons whenever I felt like it, and go fishing or hunting as I pleased, so I could not complain I was unable to do just as I wanted. All the servants obeyed my slightest wish. If I wanted to sit up late at night, no one objected. If I wished to lie in bed till noon, they kept the house quiet so as not to disturb me. This condition of affairs, as you may imagine, grew more and more tedious and exasperating the older I became. Try as I might, I could find nothing to complain about. I once saw the son of one of our servants being flogged, my heart grew light. I immediately begged my father to flog me, by way of variety, and he who could refuse me nothing at once consented. For this reason there was less satisfaction in the operation than I'd expected, although for the time being it was a distinct novelty. Now no one could expect a high-spirited boy to put up with such a life as mine, with nothing to desire and no chance of doing anything that would annoy my parents. My days were dreary indeed. He paused to wipe the tears from his eyes, and the prince murmured sympathetically, Poor boy! Oh, you may well say that, 
continued Nurl. But one day, a stranger came to my father's castle with tales of many troubles he had met with. He'd been lost in a forest and nearly starved to death. He'd been robbed and beaten and left wounded and sore by the wayside. He had begged from door to door and been refused food or assistance. In short, his story was so delightful it made me envy him and I yearned to suffer like he had. When I could speak with him alone, I said, Please tell me how I can manage to acquire the misfortunes you've undergone. Here I have everything I desire, and it makes me very unhappy. The stranger laughed at me at first, and I found some pleasure in the humiliation I felt. It didn't last long, for presently he grew sober, and advised me to run away from home and seek adventure. Once away from your father's castle, he told me, troubles will fall upon you thick enough to satisfy even your longings. That is what I'm afraid of, I answered. I don't want to be satisfied even with troubles. What I seek is unsatisfied longings. Nevertheless, he said, I advise you to travel. Everything will probably go wrong with you, and then you'll be happy. I acted upon the stranger's advice and ran away from home the next day. After journeying a long time, I commenced to feel the pangs of hunger and was just beginning to enjoy myself when a knight rode by and gave me a supply of food. At this rebuff I could not restrain my tears, but while I wept my horse stumbled and threw me over his head. I hoped at first I'd broken my neck, and was just congratulating myself upon my misfortune, when a witch-woman came along and rubbed some ointment upon my bruises, in spite of the protests. To my great grief the pain left me, and I was soon well again, but as a slight compensation for my disappointment my horse ran away, so I began my journey anew and on foot. That afternoon I stepped into a nest of wasps, but the thoughtless creatures flew away without stinging me. Then I met a fierce tiger, and my heart grew light and gay. Surely this'll cause me suffering, I cried, and advanced swiftly upon the brute. But the cowardly tiger turned tail and ran to hide in the bushes, leaving me unhurt. Of course, my many disappointments were some consolation, but not much. That night I slept on bare ground and hoped I should catch a severe cold, but no such joy was to be mine. Yet the next afternoon I experienced my first pleasure. The thieves caught me, stripped off all my fine clothes and jewels, and beat me. Then they carried me to their cave, dressed me in rags, and perched me on top of those casks, where the slightest movement on my part would send me tumbling among the sword points. This was really delightful, and I was quite happy until you came and released me. I thought then I might gain some pleasure by provoking you to anger, and our fight was the result. That blow on the ear was exquisite, and by forcing me to become your servant, you have made me, for the first time in my life, almost contented, for I hope in your company to experience a great many griefs and disappointments. As Nurl concluded this story, Prince Marvel turned to him and grasped his hand. Accept my sympathy, he said. I know exactly how you feel, for my own life during the past few centuries has not been much different. The past few centuries? gasped Nell. What do you mean by that? At this the prince blushed, seeing he had nearly disclosed his secret, but he quickly said, Does it not seem centuries when one is unhappy? It does indeed, responded Nell earnestly. But please tell me your story. Not now said Prince Marvel with a smile. It would please you to desire in vain to hear a tale I will not tell. Yet I promise that on the day we part company, 
I shall inform you of who I am.